All right, guys, welcome back. Today, I'm going to talk about the highly coveted biceps. Um, so basically, the focus of this podcast is going to tell you how to train the biceps, learn a little bit about them, what they do, and um, kind of just some things to generally look out for. So first things first is like, we just want to be able to identify where the bicep is. Like a lot of you know, it's if you were to flex your arm, it's the little ball that forms on the top. And if you're not at the point where it's forming a ball, it's at least the top side of your arm. Uh, not all the way at the shoulder though. So uh, the short head basically attaches to the coracoid process of the scapula, which is essentially just like a point on your shoulder blade. And then you have the long head, which attaches to the supraglenoid tubercle of the scapula, which again, is like basically a very similar spot also on the scapula they're just more left to right of each other um and then they attach um lower down to the tuberosity of the radius and the fascia of the forearm via the bicipital aponeurosis so it basically is like if we're like here and here it's like down on the lower section of your arm and then basically somewhere on your scapula i know it doesn't feel like it because it would feel like it attached to the front side because your scapula is kind of on the back, but they hang off kind of the side of your shoulder. So basically under your shoulder-ish and then into your forearm. And their job is essentially from a point A to point B standpoint, just um, supinate your wrist, which is to go palms up with your wrist and then move your wrist closer to your shoulder or to like flex your arm. And uh, functionally, they can work to assist the shoulder in stability um, they can work to also raise the arm a bit. So not like once you're probably around 90 degrees or so, it's going to be uh, more so the muscles of your shoulder to raise your arm. But the bicep, based on its attachments, can help to um, flex our shoulder as well. So when we're thinking bicep training, we want to think about its strength curve. So a strength curve essentially is like the full range that a muscle can be trained you have shortened mid and lengthened positions, which you can think is like squeezed middle and then stretched positions. Um, so the shortened, you're gonna largely be having your arm in a in a um, flex position. So you're basically gonna get your hand and your bicep and your shoulder all level uh, at a height where you've kind of raised it, your arm up to 90 degrees. And um, from there, we can train we can train that bicep um, in that position via cables. Um, if you find ways to position yourself so that a dumbbell can give you a challenge in that position, we can do that too. Um, but largely, we're going to find it easiest via a cable. So we'd set up a cable probably just a little bit above uh, shoulder height. And then when we go for our curl, we're trying to keep our arm level with that cable and then line up the cable so that it pulls directly over our forearm, our bicep, and our shoulders, so that when we curl, um, it looks like our elbow is pointing right at the cable. So we want to make sure that that's all lined up there. Then you have like your mid-range, which would put us um, probably somewhere between 10 degrees and 60 degrees of shoulder flexion, um, just somewhere in the middle between your arm right at your side and not fully flexed. So just somewhere in this kind of like 
middle, sort of in front of me, typical dumbbell curl, preacher curl type position, that's where you're going to be the strongest. So keeping that in mind as we move forward. Uh, and then we have lengthen. So basically, this is a position where your arm would feel stretched. So zero is where our arm is directly at our side. So anything that moves us back so that our arm is a little further behind us is going to get us into that lengthened end range, which would probably be like upward to maybe 30 degrees of shoulder extension. No more than that. Um, but so that gives us a plethora of options. So anything that would fall inside of those um, all would be used. We just want to know and be able to identify when is our arm in each one of those positions so that I don't do a bunch of exercises in the short end range. I don't do all my exercises in the mid range and I don't do all of my exercises in the lengthened end range. So knowing and being able to identify like, okay, this one's here and this one's here and where um, a better match would be um, or what, um, how could we distribute or uh, paint a better picture for our training? Um, so a lot of, a lot of exercises typically fall in the mid range because this is where we're strong and this is where we're comfortable we want to focus on trying to probably paint the edges a bit more because like lots of exercises like your rowing or your uh, like pulling movements end up using mid-range bicep so we're likely going to try to paint the edges with that shorten and lengthen position not to say that you can't um, do mid-range i would typically do some mid-range bicep work on days, if especially I'm, I'm trying to be more frequent and grow my biceps, on days where I'm not doing other pulling movements or there's not a big compound mid-range bicep exercise. Um, so in terms of rep ranges, we're going to want to take your shortened and lengthened positions into higher repetitions. So I'd say probably 10, or rep, uh, 10 reps or higher uh, due to the fact that the bicep's in a weaker position and just less stable there. Um, plus it has the supplemental benefit of being able to, um, create capacity. So basically, um, give us greater endurance or be able to, um, keep positions for longer, um, that we would normally not necessarily be in. So, um, if I struggle to keep my arm in this like upright flex position in the shortened bicep and it like wants to turn in, I want to give it the, the ability to endure in that position and so i want to give it higher repetition so it gets a greater amount of time spent there versus like really trying to max out here it doesn't make sense because maxing out there it's not a strong position i know what you're thinking it's like well if it's not a strong position can't you make it one it's just that's not necessarily how the strength curve works so no matter what you can't work up one end of the strength curve and then end up being stronger in the shortened end range than you are in the mid end range so you can improve the strength of your short and end range. You just won't make it stronger than your mid. So just understanding that it's always going to be the weaker portion. Um, but that being said, training those for higher repetitions is going to normally have higher benefit um, than trying to really max out the weight on those. Now for the mid range, I would say you can pretty much do any rep range. That'd be totally fine. What I would want um, to avoid is probably like 1RM singles or 3 rep maxes for uh, mid-range bicep work, especially if the goal is just to grow it. Now, I get if you wanted it to be stronger. The thing is, it's like 
there's a risk to benefit there. And um, I would say that the risks are likely far greater than the potential upside. But I would say you do want it to probably be on the heavier end. So maybe like six reps, um, but not necessarily um, anything much heavier than that. Um, but as far as going higher volume, while you can do that, um, there might not be as much upside to doing like a 15 rep or greater for your bicep, um, your mid-range bicep work. Um, now, in terms of specific rep ranges, I would say that this is going to be, or sorry, rest periods, this is going to be dictated by your rep ranges. So if we're doing something where we're, let's say we're training the bicep in a shortened position, and we know that because we're doing the bicep in a shortened position, that we're probably going to be doing the higher repetitions based on everything we've talked about so far, you have kind of two options here. Um, so if you were training both of the arms at the same time, this would be referred to as bilaterally because you're training both sides. Um, then I would say probably resting 60 to 90 seconds um, each time. So like if you were to train one arm at a time, um, I would probably just rest 45 seconds between arms. So I wouldn't take that same 60 to 90 seconds rest like for each arm or do one arm and go right into the other because you did kind of, you used some of our metabolic processes to create energy. You still would need some time to recover. So I would say spend some time, but not necessarily the same amount of time that you would if they were done bilaterally to train both arms. And then for your heavier work, so like your mid-range stuff, I would say two minutes would be sufficient. I would say go off of um, your time constraints because you are going to, and this goes for all muscle groups, you're only going to be able to spend so much time at the gym. If you're resting two minutes between each exercise, it can take up an exorbitant amount of time. And if you're in a rush, you might want to push the pace a little bit more, even though it might take from your performance in the short term what matters is that you're progressing it doesn't matter if we take two reps off today because you could have rested five minutes and got those two extra reps if you're going to be late for your doctor's appointment and you have all this other stuff going on right so you're you've got priorities here and we want to get to the rest of your entire workout don't spend five minutes resting for your bicep training if it's only going to get you two extra reps Okay. And then in terms of frequency, what we know is that you need to get 10 sets per muscle per week ish. Like plus I would say as you get more trained, probably, probably more. Um, but this should be adequate for most people. But what matters is how we spread it out. It just needs to equate to 10 sets per week with adequate recovery in between the sessions. I'd say typically you probably want to spend 48 to 72 hours between sessions, depending on the previous intensity, but you want enough time. So like if you were to train Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and we did four sets each time, great. If you were to train Monday and Thursday, and you did five sets both times, that works. I wouldn't normally recommend doing one day, 10 sets. Um, because what we know is that 
when you are training, um, anything greater than 10 sets can have in a single workout can have, um, a, a negative effect on the growth that we're trying to, um, actually have happened during that session where having greater frequency would allow for recovery so that we can improve our training. So that would be the upside of having greater frequency in the bicep training is because it would allow for greater amounts of volume. Now, if you're just getting started out, do you need 10 sets? No. And likely you're probably not counting your sets from your barbell rows, which would also contribute to bicep work. So how much do you actually need in order to, to grow your bicep? I'd say, look at the, the amount of work that you're doing for your biceps already. Let's say you're doing 10 sets for your back and you're like, well, you know, it, I, I do 10 sets of back already. So that's 10 sets of biceps as well. I'd say, um, if executed properly, you, you might not have like stimulated the biceps to fatigue. So we want something that's actually going to be stimulating. It's not, it doesn't matter like how many sets you did if you didn't reach a stimulating set for the bicep. So what's a stimulating set for the biceps? They need to, they need to be fatigued. So if you failed your lat pull down because your execution was great and the lats got tired, like the, the lats were the thing that fatigued and not your bicep. Like if your bicep stopped pulling and you couldn't do the exercise anymore, then you failed because your biceps. But if you're failing because your lat, then I would say you can, you can say that that was work done, but I wouldn't necessarily say it was fully stimulating. Uh, there's a certain stimulus and a certain amount of fatigue. Um, but the main thing is, is like, let's count just mostly the, the bicep work on a day where you're training just biceps. When you're training your back, I'd say probably like, account maybe half the volume of what you're doing that back day towards actually contributing to biceps. Yeah, do we have a scientific measure, measurement for that? Absolutely. No, but I would say that that would be a safe place to start if you did that. Um, and then we can always go up from that number. But what you don't want to do is get the biceps so fatigued that it is detrimental to the training of other body parts. So if I'm if my biceps are so taxed and then now my my elbow kind of forearm area is like feeling like tore up when I'm doing my deadlifts or if I'm doing my rowing variations, then chances are I'm I'm going overkill on these. And I'd rather you go on the softer side and then work your way up to something that is more intense over time or greater volume. So volume is just going to be like weight multiplied by reps multiplied by sets. You take that number, that's volume. So when we say greater amounts of volume, this is just greater amounts of total work. Um, so that would be like one thing that I would be looking out for in terms of frequency, in terms of total sets that we're, we're aiming to get. Okay. So some special considerations to make is, um, when you're on a machine, you just want to make sure that you're in a position that the elbow isn't being hyperextended. So if you have like, let's say you're setting up on the preacher bench, some people will set the seat a little too low and then they're um, their elbow is on the pad and, or the, the back of their arm is on the pad, but their elbow is kind of not. And then the weight has this long lever on the arm and it can like pull that arm too far. And, um, that just won't feel good. And you'll know when you get there, cause it doesn't feel great. 
Um, so that would be the first thing is just making sure that when you are using it, we want to make sure that we are setting up properly um, so that your arm is not getting like bent out of shape there. I'd also say we want to pay attention to how well I can create this palms up position naturally. And if it's semi turned in, like if you took your arm right now, take both your arms and you turn them both palm up, if one pinky's like kind of in, but um, the bar that you're attempting to grab is going to force it further out, I would say that that is probably not a good position to be in, especially if it's a fixed position. Now, if you grab a dumbbell, it doesn't matter how far you can turn your wrists because it's going to form to the position that your wrist and like forearm can make. So then it's pretty safe for me to still continue to train the bicep there. Anything like a barbell or a fixed implement or certain machines are going to force you into that position. Now with a machine, you don't have to do it bilaterally, even though it has two handles. You can just grab it with one arm and drop the weight and then just get yourself into a position where you can safely do that. I'd say failure to do that could potentially risk more of a torn bicep scenario um, because you're being pulled into a position that you can't get into passively and now we're adding load so what we know about injuries is it's applied force well in this case it's going to be the weight is greater than tissue tolerance which is your ability to tolerate tension in that position and being that you can't even get into that position i'm going to say the tolerance on that tissue is probably not that great okay so if we take a weight and then we take a position that you can't get into, and then we ask you to do it. The moment that weight takes you to that place, I don't think it's going to feel very good, <laughs> especially when you're trying to do it with some sort of mass, ma like maximum effort, uh, which is probably typical of something like that mid-range bicep work, which I'd say is like probably not your highest return anyway. It's it's great you should do some mid-range bicep work, but I'd say painting the edges is going to be you're going to get more for less than just trying to go ham on the preacher curl with this fixed implement next next thing i wanted to talk about is blood flow restriction so it's definitely it's definitely something that's going to be a bit more niche but it can be fun it can be a fun tool to use in training um and has been uh well studied for hypertrophy so Blood flow training is basically where you take this thing that kind of looks like a tourniquet and you'd attach it to this area just below your delt. So like that high where bicep and shoulder kind of meet and you'd, you'd kind of tourniquet it off there. You'd probably like want like a seven out of 10 pressure. Now you're not like trying to like get like veins popping out before you even start, but just like a seven out of 10 pressure. And then like a, a very basic protocol would be like do 30 reps um, and then rest for 30 seconds and then do 15 and then rest for 30 do 15 again rest for 30 and then do 15 and by the time you're done with that you're left with giant balloon arms and while we know this is temporary sensation because it's just you're getting a bit of a pump going there it's not um it's not going to be like super stressful um it it can be it, it can be helpful like if you are dealing with joint issues so if you were having something where the elbows were a bit tender, but you're still wanting to train or, or you're coming off of 
some sort of injury there, it can be a great tool to help drive blood flow, get a stimulus to the biceps without um, doing anything that's going to be overly um, taxing mechanically. Okay. And the next thing that I think could be useful for a lot of beginners is learning where like failure is. And so something like drop sets and partials can be a great tool to implement. So a drop set is, let's say we were doing that high cable bicep curl. Um, you get to the point where you think you can't do anymore, right? You just like, or, or do what you would call normally your typical set. So like 12, I say a lot of people, they do 12, but they could have done more. Uh, I often find this with my clients. So they did 12 and then we're like, all right, well, as soon as you're done, we're just going to move the pin down and, or the dumbbell or whatever weight you're doing, we're going to move that down and then we're going to perform as many as you can. Um, until we have to stop and then you can do triple drop sets or you can just do a single drop set. But I'd say uh, starting with one and then maybe two, but basically we want to work to the point where it actually feels like I can't do this exercise anymore. Not it burns. A lot of you stop when it burns and you're not stopping when you can't move it anymore. That's the problem. You don't stop when it burns. You stop when you can't move it anymore. So it would be like, there's a difference between you're driving in inclement weather and it starts raining and maybe that's burning. You haven't got to your destination yet, but it's something that is attempting you to stop going all the way there. And some of you would pull off to the side of the road and your more skilled driver would just zoom past you, splash water on you and keep going to their destination. That is who we're attempting to be is this more skilled driver with better windshield wipers. And um, you can see past all of that inclement weather. I'm not saying tornado here, right? You're not dealing with tornadoes. You're dealing with rain. Because yes, it's a bit spicy when you're doing some bicep curls, but you can keep going, okay? Let out a, a couple yelps and keep going, right? Um, that's what we're attempting to find is where you can actually not do anymore. And now drop sets are one thing. Um, they likely keep you in one range of the muscle, but a partial, this can help us to learn, um, again, when we're actually failing. So, um, what's, what's happening is your ability to get the muscle fully short across a set will start to drop off. So if I'm doing my high cable bicep and I can no longer get my wrist all the way on top, over to the top of my shoulder, and like now it stops like, uh, like I'm just a little short and now I'm, maybe I'm just over my bicep now. And it's like, okay, well I can't I'm like keep squeezing. And then I do a few more and then it stops. And now I can't even pull like halfway. We basically want to get it so that I can't get it past a bend. Like if I can't get past the joint, then I probably just call it. Um, and the same thing can, could be true of all positions. So we can take it through that shortened shoulder position we can take it through that mid-range and then we can take it through lengthen and the fun and the fun thing about all of these is you can actually use all of these together so you could go train your do a set train the muscle to failure at the shortened end range this would be like a full range challenge Cha train it in the shortened end range you probably still have something in the tank drop it down do it in the mid-range and then spin around 
and then do it in a length in that range. So you can do this all off of one cable. So if we have the cable set to shoulder height, do my set till failure there, uh, drop it all the way to the bottom, but facing the cable, do your curls that way, that will put you in the mid range, and then face away from the cable and have your arm behind you and then curling back from behind you, take that till failure, boom, full range challenge, biceps smoked, and Steven congratulated on such a great workout idea. <laughs> and no, uh, and while I can't take full credit for that, it's something that I've uh, seen and used as effective in my own training. And I think that it will be useful for you as well. Now, um, a lot of people, they'll, they'll want to, they'll want to, especially with like bicep work, there's a couple of things that go wrong. And based on its attachments, we know that the bicep attaches to the shoulder blade. So anything that we do with our biceps is also kind of involving the shoulder blade. So if I start to curl my biceps, but my shoulders shrug up, my bicep isn't a uh, neutral target. It keeps moving now in space, right? Like I, it, it'll be harder to put full tension on something if both ends are moving. It'd be like if I had a string and um, instead of like getting it to squeeze more, like if I were to try to bring the two ends of the rope together, it's like moving both of my hands, right? So if the shoulder's moving and I'm attempting to squeeze, it's like I'm pulling, a, like I'm moving away from getting into that shorter position, which is a hard thing to do. It is, it, it is, it takes skill, right? But learning to keep that elbow fixed in one position and my shoulder fixed in one position. So this would also be true if the elbow was moving. So if I do my high cable bicep curl and my elbow's up high and then I curl my arm, if my elbow doesn't move and my shoulders don't move, I'll get this nice little squeeze at the top. But if I attempt to bring that wrist in and my elbow drops, it's like, okay, well now I like dropped out of the shortened end range to begin with. And now if my shoulder rose, that totally changes the position too. So this will also happen in mid range work when people are doing like a preacher. So they've got their elbows against the pad and they're going for that curl. And right as soon as they curl, their shoulders come up, right? And the, or on the way back down as they're letting it out so that we want that greater stretch, their, their biceps know that they're weaker in that stretch portion so those shoulders come up. So it keeps the bicep in that mid-range position where it's stronger. We want to be able to push those shoulders down our back a little bit so we can actually stretch out those biceps into the bottom. And now I'm a huge fan of making sure that we have control at both end ranges of the movement. So we're not yanking and jerking into the top and then like hitting some weird target here we know exactly where we're trying to go squeeze there hold it for a second and then getting to the end range slowly not dropping getting to the end range pausing and then squeezing out of that position so no yanking um i am not a huge fan for bicep training of yanking from lengthened positions it's just like it's not strong there to begin with so making sure that we have control at both end range end ranges and making sure that we have stability at both end ranges so basically being able to like tie down the joint i don't want these two ends to move because i want it to seem like your biceps are getting jumped i want it to be like somebody's like the bullies came they're like hold them down they just start beating them up that's your job for your muscles in that workout it's to jump your muscles you're trying to get this end still this end still 
top and bottom ends, and then squeeze and stretch that muscle until it gives you its lunch money. <laughs> that's that's all. That's all we're trying to do. Okay. Um, I can't. Right now, I think I covered a good section of what it's going to take to get a good bicep workout. I'm sure something else will come to me later, but for now, this is going to be our biceps episode. If you have any questions, let me know. Feel free to share this. Um, you have full rights to do that. I would appreciate that. It would be, do the podcast well. And uh, don't forget to su- subscribe uh, because your subscription boosts us and then we're able to share this knowledge with everybody. Um, and the world would be better with more people with bigger biceps, right? So thanks for listening, guys. and. I'll catch you on the next one.